There's a trite but meaningful expression that suggests a picture is worth a thousand words. Perhaps nowhere is this truer than in thought leadership. Breakthrough visuals that work hand in glove with well-chosen words and easily translate complex concepts into demonstrated expertise and insights are hypercritical to creating compelling and memorable thought leadership assets, at least those that revolve around the written word. To be clear, great design is never a substitute for conducting solid research, constructing watertight arguments, engaging in impactful wordsmithing, and unleashing precision market outreach. But the right aesthetic can certainly help well-produced thought leadership perform even better. Because as we all know, great content pivots around strong, effective, and empathetic storytelling. Setting the right tone with thoughtful design is necessary in today's attention deficit syndrome world. Anything that requires more than 10 seconds or 280 characters to express is often overlooked or met with a blank stare, sorry to say. That's why having a great designer in your thought leadership team is so important. Not only does he or she need the right aesthetic, but they must have a good feel for the material, beyond understanding your brand voice, that is. And that doesn't mean your designer needs to have complete mastery of the topic, but he or she must read, absorb, and be able to recite the primary messages. This will ensure that they're equipped to convey your best and brightest in ways that leave your target audience begging for more. I was fortunate at my last gig to hire a contract designer who embodies all of these qualities and more. Mary McBride is someone with whom I've had the pleasure of working, creating aesthetically pleasing, brand compliant, and highly resonant thought leadership for a better part of the last decade. We worked together in a host of projects through typical white papers, ebooks, and research reports, through spellbinding animations and breathtaking infographics those for PDFs, as well as static and dynamic HTML. Mary's worked on projects for a variety of corporates spanning financial services and legal, as well as nonprofits. Mary, we're so happy to have you on our Everything Thought Leadership podcast. Thank you. <laughs> well, we'll jump right in, because there's a lot to cover here. And, um, you know, I wish we had more visuals that we can show, but we'll, we'll try to insert some as we go forward. Um, so how did you get into the world of thought leadership design? Um, well, I started working with uh, thought leadership teams coming out of a corporate uh, background where I did a lot of branding um, support for marketing and, and events and, you know, whatever was required. I had done a great deal of work in legal marketing and branding um, uh, for a certain period of time, and then I went over to financial and then came to work with thought leadership. And um, one of the things that I really uh, loved in all of my uh, job assignments was doing photo research and looking um, for really great photographers or stock photography or illustration and licensing. You know, I, I built a number of libraries for a number of clients and then we use that throughout the branding, you know, uh, exercise. And so that was a really good um, skill to have coming into thought leadership because everything we do now is so visual and, and every visual is so important. It has, you know, the blink of an eye to take your attention. So, um, so that was sort of how I segued in, into thought leadership. One of the things that I really liked and enjoyed about working on thought leadership is that it's been a learning experience for me too. Not just staying on top of my technical skills and using some new technical skills, but many of the subjects were really foreign to me, really um, the technology was beyond my understanding or 
or cutting edge or, you know, future of work, like, wow, what does that mean? So, you know, I've had to really read that content, manuscript, uh, go back to the editor, the writer, go online. I, I can do a fairly good summary of what blockchain means, things like that. <laughs> I can't illustrate a concept unless I understand it. And so I've had to work really hard in some things and, and go back to the team. And um, once I do understand something, I can usually find a key or a way in to making it a compelling graphic, compelling image design. That's, that's great. That's a great overview. So it doesn't sound like you've had any regrets. It sounds like it's all been upside in terms of continuous learning and career development. But can you maybe talk a little bit about what's different designing for thought leadership than, say, your typical branding campaign? Well, what's different now is that everything is digital. So um, the whole idea of putting together a package or a sales package or a marketing package, I mean, it's all digital. And so um, our time frame is compressed. Uh, we have short sound bites, short pieces of content, short animations, things like that. Thought leadership is about illustrating a concept or um, a technology, not about a service or a, or a whole sort of backup thing. Um, it's not about how many offices you have worldwide. <laughs> it's not about how many choices you have on your menu. It's it's a lot in in many ways. It's it's more theoretical and abstract than what I had been working on before. Right, right. So when it comes to picking good visuals, whether they're images or photography or creating information graphics. What in your mind are you striving to do with thought leadership where you can really sit down, understand what you're trying to convey, deconstruct it, and then reconstruct it in a visual way that's going to complement the message yeah. or the strategy that's discussed in a more tech, uh, tangible way? So design should help unlock what people need to comprehend or take away. When you write a manuscript, it's, it's you know, endless words which are all very well crafted, but you have a flyby minute to engage the reader when you take it to the next step. So in the content, are there words or phrases or headlines that should be highlighted or pulled out? Are there interesting um, call-out uh, designs that you can use or, or bullets or icons, you know? just places for the eye to touch so that the eye keeps moving over the page and processing the content? Um, is there a, a really engaging image that evokes an extra level of, of interest or um, focus you know, to, to, get, to get you to that point? So what we're doing is telling a story. The whole package is supposed to tell a story. And good design should be visually engaging. It should make it easier for the reader to go directly to the most important message and, and easily grasp the most important points. The eye should not have a hard time finding its way over the page or really the screen these days. And so, um, for instance, 
we've done a lot of work in diagramming uh, technology for the cloud. And it's been interesting trying to find visuals that uh, illustrate the commands behind the curtain between the user, the office, and the cloud. So can you, you know, you started to talk a little bit about cloud. Can you give us some insight into how you start to look for these images? Do you have any examples of what's worked well, perhaps what hasn't worked so well, and trying to find the optimal way to convey the story pictorially? Well, I try to find a hook in the story, something that, that I can understand. Um, and I also try to humanize it because we're talking to someone on a screen whose next step is to work with this. So it should feel easy. It should feel doable. So, um, you know, the idea of, of banks of computers or networking or something, that, that's very daunting. Like, how does someone's business or someone's service plug into that? How does that work? So I try to simplify it so it doesn't seem too overwhelming. A lot of the people I think that we're trying to touch base with haven't been doing this or need a new option or need some new answers. So let's put a welcome mat out for them and start the conversation in a way they can understand and feel comfortable with and then go on from there. Right, but you don't want it to be too cliche or too you know, obvious. <laughs> you have to figure out a way to evoke a whole new impression and, and thought <laughs> process because you want to stimulate uh, thinking and engagement, right? Right. Thought leadership is about original thinking, original ideas, original technology. So we have to, we have to show original artwork, original design, and leave the other behind. When you work on branding programs, you have a brand book and some of the best pages in a brand book are the do not do pages where they show the right images and say, don't, you know, don't do this. Don't, don't use marble pillars. Don't use handshakes. Don't use smiley faces. So um, it's going to be very challenging to find something that's new and fresh and not at all trite. Absolutely. And um, as I said in my intro, and this is a world in which everybody is rushing around. Nobody has a lot of time to spend on any one uh, issue or concern of the day. You're dealing with a lot of time-challenged people, yet they're sophisticated. They sometimes have an insight or a, a perspective on something that's ingrained. So how do you boil down information or concepts in a way that allows them to open their mind you don't have to spend a lot of time processing and digesting and spitting out what they don't like and vibing what they do. Well, for instance, when I work on an animation, um, I count it out. Uh, if, if, there's, uh, if there's text that I have to use, I will read it out loud in, in a voice that I think is how the viewer would read it. And so the animation has to work in real time, it can't just whiz by. This is a, a place where it's, it's so key to work with good editors and writers because I almost always have to go back to them and say, can we cut? We get uh, original material often in PowerPoint form that's, that's 
often rough, not particularly visual. So from that point, we have to refine it. Do we need this word? Do we need this title? Can we collapse this? Um, less is really more. The, the less you, the less busy your screen is, the more you can process. And sometimes we go back several times. That's why it's been so great to have some of the team. The, the, the thought leadership team is really a team and it has a lot of parts. Absolutely. That's so true. So you, know, you talked about animation. We talked about uh, picking photography and imagery and creating information graphics. The field has changed so much just in the last five years, even much less the span of our careers. Right. So what do you do to expand your skill sets, your canvas, <laughs> if you will, so you stay up to speed with the new tools and formats and demands of today's thought leadership world? Yeah, this is this is really hard. I mean, about every five years, there's there's a huge change in something. So continuous learning is really key. Um, I'd say about every three years, I I really make an effort to touch base with the new releases, with um, new technology updates to applications. I read design blogs and posts. Um, Lynda.com is an excellent teaching device that's, that's updated all the time and, you know, fairly affordable, very accessible. Myself, I have gone back to Noble Desktop in New York many times over the years. They have great uh, online seminars for free that introduce you into certain technologies or application. They have degree programs, certificates in web design or user, uh, user experience. I went to them and took classes in, in animation, and um, I, I really learned it. They were very, very helpful. Now, I remember something in particular uh, when I came to you a few years ago and said, you know, we want to expand how we present our information. And I'd love for you to look at getting involved in animation and motion graphics. And at first you were like, mm, let me think about it. And then you said, yeah, let me do it. It's, it's a good idea. And can you kind of talk a little bit of, about that thought process and how you were able to acquire these new skills and be quite a good motion graphic designer? Well, one plus is that I didn't have to learn coding because um, I'm a designer, not a coder. And once I, I started working with, uh, in particular, After Effects, I realized that it's, it's, um, it's design over time. You can make something happen over time and you don't have to uh, get into the coding and, and all of the you know, different kinds of, of parameters that that requires like Internet Explorer and Chrome and um, you know, accessibility and things like that. But inside the application are very robust tools and a lot more that you, that, you know, once you get uh, the basics, you can add on. So it's a very good way to add short animations, especially for fact-based pieces um, that need to show maybe something over time, like a bar chart or, uh, or growth or, or transformation or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things, and I, I, I know you're being, um, you know, somewhat, uh, how can I put this, 
uh, not boastful. You're, you're being very humble. That there's a lot of rethinking and recalibrating and rewiring of your brain to be able to do this. It's not just, you know, so you have to have the desire to do it. You have to be passionate about it. You have to feel that it's not only good for your professional career, but it's good for the reader. It's good for the consumer of the content because that's what they require these days. They're, they demand it. They expect it. Right. Well, I, I enjoy looking at it. You know, when I go to a web page, I love to see what they've done with animation. And I say, wow, that's really great. Um, I, think it, I think it adds so much to what we're doing now. Um, we have a whole new way of presenting um, information on the screen than we ever had before. And in some ways, I think we reach a lot more people and we're a lot more direct. Yeah. So, um, and not for you to sit here in judgment of others, but where do you see uh, many designers and designs themselves falling short? You know, as you said, things are more complex, more digitally involved and enabled. Not easy for somebody to design for this different medium and this different mindset. So what do you see happening that's, that could be done better? I see a lot of uh, designers using a lot of bells and whistles. There, there are a lot of tricks that you can do with a technology. Um, a lot of motion, a lot of changes, a lot of morphing things. Do these really help when telling the story? Um, that's why the whole process is so, is so structured. When it works, it's so structured because you, you really need to think about where are you going with the story and are you wandering off into some motion or some, some big wave or something like that? Um, we're not doing advertising. We are bringing fact-based information to the viewer. So don't make them wait for the story. Don't make them dig for the story. Don't make them keep clicking. Um, get to the story pretty quickly. One of the ways that, one of the things that's, that happens when a designer works for a certain amount of time is that you train your eye to see. And it's hard to define, but when you look at your own work, does it work? Is it readable? Is it legible? Is it hierarchical? Does it make sense? Is there something that your eye looks at and focuses on? Because that should be your messaging or your takeaway. So I really look for um, great composition, clear hierarchy of information, um, easily accept, uh, accessible menus, and just stick to the basics. Words to the wise. <laughs> so I guess you're not a, a big fan of listicles that uh, offer a lot of clickbait and a lot of, a lot of substance. Long ago and far away, one of my design teachers said something that with every change you make, you start to lose readers. So uh, every time you change a piece of copy, if you have a bold headline, and then, in it, you know, if, if you have a headline, make it bold, don't make it bold and italic, or bold and italic and keep changing colors. Give one change to your information and the eye keeps moving. When you add too many changes, the eye gets tired, the eye gets lost. So um, that's great. 
So you had mentioned uh, the importance of the team. And so what do you think are the best ways for designers to work with thought leadership architects and the whole team concept from the, the writer, through the copy editor, through the proofer, through the program manager? Because I mean, this, is, this takes a village. I keep saying this, I know it sounds really trite and obvious, but it's not one person's my way or the highway. Really do this well, you need to extract the best and the brightest of everybody who's contributing from the thought leader, him or herself, through the entire team that produces the work. So what have your experiences been? What works well? What hasn't worked so well? Um, well, I come from a background where we always work with writers. Um, we didn't just sit down at a, at a desk and like put something out there. So I've always had great respect for writers and, and for editing. And um, I think, you know, the best thing is to start off with a discussion when you get a piece you know, what they're trying to do. By the time I get a piece, the editor, the writer, they've been working on it for a while. And so they can give me their presentation, their summary. And, and then I have an idea of what they're trying to say and how they have gotten to this point. And then I start to work. And then I come back and say, but I don't understand. How do you get from A to D? B and C seem unclear to me. And so just keep talking. I mean, this is, um, that's the best way. It's, it's harder when, we're, when we've all been remote. I mean, we used to be all in the same office within, within uh, shouting distance. <laughs> but right. the, the writers and the editors are bringing the core concept to the designer. And the designer then works to make that concept um, engaging for the viewer. But it all has to interact. It all has to interact. Very, very true. You know, the, the death of distance. I mean, we've solved it with some of the technology, but it's complicated some of our processes for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you're a highly visual person. Infographics are so critical. You know, really people want the facts. They want them in a very comprehensive, yet easy to digest and understand way. How do you attack infographics so that you're able to really help people, either they, whether they skim or whether they really dive in deeply to get as much as they can out of the information presented? It, it, it depends. There, there are a variety of ways. Some infographics are so dense that it's best for me to leave them mostly alone and, and bring some visual interest to them. If, if there's too much copy and you start to animate it, then your eye is just going like this all the time. So animate one thing or bring some beautiful visuals or icons or extend the story so that you can read it more easily. Uh, there's an example I have of, that came as a PowerPoint that was just like so much copy. And, and I can do that and I can, I can make a nice, uh, a nice design but I couldn't figure out what to do with it until I, I went for a long walk. And then I just put up a, a banner progression over the top. When you start here, you're looking at heritage applications and how they move over to external systems. So, okay, heritage is here. And then they have this huge menu of options before you get to your external system. I left that there. <laughs> That's what they're trying to tell you. 
But over the top, I gave an arc of, of movement that shows, here's how you start and here's how you end. And so it's visually pleasing. Right, so simplicity is very important. I know I come from a world of uh, complexity and intricacy. Sometimes more is better, and to some people, even more is even better. But the job then becomes, how do you work with the writer and the thought leader in some cases to really simplify the message so it's going to resonate, so people will be able to have practical takeaways that they can apply to their life and their world. Right. That's not easy. That's the challenge. That's why they hire people like us, right? <laughs> um, and the, the biggest challenge is sitting down with a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> That's true. I've stared at many a blank screen over the years, that pulsating cursor. Yeah. Coming yeah. up with very little, and all of a sudden... Something sparks my imagination and I'm inspired to go forward. And I'm sure very similar in your world. Yes. So, so what's next in your view in the world of thought leadership design? Any, any tricks of the trade? Anything you want to share with fellow designers who either are involved in this trade or want to move into this line of work? Yeah, that's the, you know, <laughs> that's the big question. That's the quiz question. We've we've seen some um, some some visual storytelling that's coming out in a different way. For instance, there's a, a program called Folion that we used that had small bits of information combined with animations and and video clips or animated graphics, um, and then you click through and it tells it tells a story. Um, it's the online animated version of a white paper in a condensed thing. There's a, an extension, an application extension that you can now use with InDesign. So that if you're putting together a white paper, um, you can add this application to it. You can write certain commands so that your headlines drop down or fade in, or you have blocks of copy, different things. And then you have a white paper, which can be a PDF or something like that. You can also send it to write code, and then that code can be embedded. So, for instance, if you're doing um, a recruiting piece for schools, you, you can do it in print or in PDF. You can also embed it in your website, and then it becomes an animated thing. So animated storytelling is expanding. Absolutely. I, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time with the New York Times online <laughs> and they do wonderful storytelling through visualization, through moving pictures and images. And a lot of it is user control. So you yes. can move the image and stop it and then take in what they're saying, then move it further and learn more. And then you scroll to the next section with some setup copy. And then you go to another image that tells a story in a different way or delves deeper. I just find that so uh, rich and rewarding. It's time consuming sometimes to go through, but I come away with a better understanding of the topic. They've done some I, extraordinary visual essays, really extraordinary, yeah. Yeah, they did one just this weekend on Haiti. I don't know if you saw that one on the French colonization of, of Haiti and then uh, after Haiti had uh, declared independence, the fact that the French government uh, had extorted money from them, reparations, if you would, to pay for all the plantations 
that were, were taken by the Haitian people and then uh, to try to get them to finance more business through the French banking system, which meant that all of the tax money that the Haitians were collecting on their coffee plantations were going directly to the French. But anyway, I digress, but it was just visually a very compelling story the way they showed how that all happened over centuries. You've right. been first time that yeah, data visualization has has come so far, and it's it's extraordinary. I mean, there are things that that just bring the whole thing to life. Yeah. So when you sit down, you see, we we talked to both of us talked a little bit about uh, it's challenging sometimes to get started. You're scared. You're staring at uh, blank screens and white pieces of paper. How do you get your process started? What inspires your, your design aesthetics? How do you really kickstart it and get yourself in the mood and the spirit of really building something, that, creating something that's real breakthrough and real complementary to the work? Well, sometimes I sketch out ideas. You know, I, I, I still use a pencil and paper, sketch out ideas. I think to have a really good, strong visual vocabulary, you need to leave your desk and engage with a lot of different things. I, you know, go see some art, go see some photography, um, go outside, take a walk. I'm a big fan of going outside and taking a walk. I've never had a really intractable problem that didn't have an aha moment somehow. When I have put everything away from me and far from me, somehow my mind is still percolating on this thing. And then when it's relaxed, an idea comes through. So, um, you know, if you're really stuck, the last thing you should do is, is stick it, you know, stay at your desktop and start tearing your hair out. Like, put a break, stop, go do something else, let your mind have a break. And there's a lot going on out there. I mean, movies, I used to love a, a website called, some, I don't know what it was title art and it was all of the best titling from the movies and there's extraordinary typography you know that's those are typographic essays typographic examples and they're it's wonderful inspiration it's good good advice so anything that we haven't covered is there anything that uh, you'd like to you know cover in this uh, final portion of our podcast supply chain issues with getting us <laughs> Parts for our day, for our computers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky that I had made the transition to a remote office some years ago, and I had basically everything I needed. Even so, I had to do a bunch of upgrades, and and that's been a real challenge. You've got to be your own IT person, huh? Yeah, every once in a while, you have to stop driving the car, pop the hood, and you know, fiddle in it. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks for joining us today. This has been a great, insightful, ex creative exploration of the design side of thought leadership. And you really added some, some real insight to the discussion, so thanks. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, Mary really took us on a wonderful visual journey of best practice thought leadership design. As she noted, great design must elevate the meaning conveyed in and the expertise exuded by your thought leadership, regardless of the format and the style in which the asset is published. Design is all about the visuals that complement and extend great storytelling. And in the context of thought leadership, where we are focused on unlocking insights, 
visually guiding the viewer toward the takeaways that matter most. And because thought leadership is about original thought, designers must focus on original design concepts, not cliche bills and whistles, to pump up the target audience. Underappreciate the impact of compelling design and you will learn the hard way by not being seen and heard above the din. For designers, this means having confidence and conviction in your design aesthetic, working collaboratively with writers and other members of the TL team, exhibiting intellectual curiosity, being open-minded and continuously learning about the topic at hand, understanding where imaging meets messaging from a brand perspective. Taken together, these qualities spark creativity and fuel the team's ability to illustrate what's going on behind the curtain, as Mary marvelously noted. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you soon on another episode of Everything Thought Leadership.